So over the past uh, few weeks, Sunday mornings, we've been asking the question, who are we becoming? Who are we becoming? As disciples of Jesus, the answer is yes, like Christ Jesus. In fact, in Romans 8, 29, it tells us what is the purpose of God um, choosing us? Is it so that we might be smiley and happy and have a lovely time on our own with him? It is to be conformed to the image of his son. That's what we're told. That is our goal. And sometimes we deeply forget this. Uh, It's so easy. I can speak for myself. In Philippians, though, we are given encouragement, aren't we? This is often a baptism verse, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Who had that as a baptism verse? No. What? That is going in the next baptism. (laughs) Okay. But this isn't like a takeover. This is not like we have suddenly been possessed. (laughs) And from the moment we have been baptized, we sit back, put our feet up because the Holy Spirit. But there's rather a partnership, isn't there, that we allow, we work with God, uh, the Trinity, in partnership as he works in us. We have a role to play. And that's why Paul says in Philippians, therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now, not only in my present, but much more in my absence. And then he says, for God who works in you to both will and to work for his good. So that's that. But he says in the middle, work out your your own salvation. He's inviting us into that that God is doing. Now, we want to become like him. Now, Rob and I, we're coming up to our 14th. Can you believe that? 14th. Uh, Seems like yesterday that we stood on this stage and we said our uh, I do's with John, and it was an amazing day. But since then, we spent 14 years together, and there are times when we laugh and go, I'm becoming like you, or he laughs and says, I'm becoming like you. Uh, it's not that we're in the Anorak Club, that we're wearing the same clothes, but rather uh, we've been thinking and discussing the way we raise our children, how we handle our finances. All of that has happened during those 14 years as we become more like him. And also as followers of Jesus, uh, Christ in our marriage, we hope that we are becoming in that more like Jesus. The culture, as we've looked at, affects everything we do, don't we? And we're in culture. We talked before, I think I've mentioned it, I definitely put it in the blog about culture is something you're sort of unaware of. Uh, It happens around you and influences you so much so that you're obviously sometimes blind and you don't know, I should get out of this before it's too late. Uh, it's only when we come back into our culture, potentially if we've spent some time abroad, we get something like reverse culture shock, when suddenly we see culture for what it is. And our goal, remember, is to become like Christ, to have a culture of Christ, not the one we're in. That's why we're called aliens um, and, uh, what's, it? What's that word? 
thank you, sojourners. We're, we're, traveling, we're traveling in this world, but it, it's not our home. Our home is something in the, uh, that is coming when Christ, it talks in Speak, O Lord, that the glory of the Lord fills the earth because he is reigning king. That's what we're looking forward to. And we've been talking over the last few weeks about how we position ourselves to be in partnership with the Holy Spirit, to be conformed to his likeness, to become the person that you were designed to be. Remember in Genesis, it talks about how we reflect the image we are created to reflect God and we're made in his image, that when we're truly fully human, we are fully reflecting Christ, who he is. We have become who we're meant to be. So we've looked over the last few weeks, we looked at slow down, resisting that message in our culture that things need to be fast-paced or they're no good. And we want to create space for God to transform us. We've looked at simplify. Our culture says that our significance or security comes from our possessions or our wealth or how much we've achieved in life. But that's not Uh, what Jesus says. Um, We've looked at seeking our culture. Often we get this sense that we should have it now, today, instant. We want it this minute and we want no effort to get there. But Jesus and God invites us to seek him. And we see it it in the prayers of the persistent widow that he wants us to continue to come. We have seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be opened. And we have these invitations to seek after him. And then we had serve, of course. Our culture says it's about us. Jesus says, no, love God, love others. We are um, to serve others. And then, of course, Sabbath. I live in a culture that says, uh, you haven't got time for that, for one. Rest is a waste of time because you need to crack on and achieve your goals. And it kind of leaves us with that image that everything we have, we achieved. Sabbath says, no, what I have, God has given me. And I will rest because he rested. So that's where we've got to. So how are you doing? It's so easy, isn't it? We've skimmed through this. And there'll be so many of us that have thought, oh, that was a nice idea. (laughs) And I know I'm not doing that. But pause this morning how are you getting on? We've been talking, haven't we, about calling this a rule of life, not a law to be broken, us to feel guilty about. We're under grace, but that grace doesn't get in the way of us actually doing something. Yes, grace in our salvation, we are saved, that is done, but in sanctification and becoming like Christ, we have a role to play. And we must position ourselves to follow him. So this week, we're going to look at the idea of being shaped by God and shaped through prayer. And I thought I might call it sprayer because <laughs> I was trying to get a sut in. Rob thought that was good. Or spray, brain. that doesn't sound nice at all, does it? But anyway, we're going to be shaped. We are shaped that we might shape the world. And I'm interested in your reaction to that because now some of you are like, oh no, not another, not another talk about prayer. Oh, we get it. Read a Bible, pray every day. Yeah, la, 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 la. Because we sometimes view prayer, don't we, as a burden. It's a work. It's something we must do. Um, but then, you know, is it really working? Who knows? Is it working? I don't know. And there's so many questions around prayer as well, isn't there? There's so many unanswered things that we live with, that we struggle with. 
Or perhaps you're not like that. Perhaps you love prayer and you spring out of bed every morning. Morning, Lord. And you tick off the days till the next heartbeat. You can't wait. You're in a triplet, a quad, a group. You're in everything you can get. You go online. You're with 24-7 prayer. You're loving it every... No, well, probably not. If you're like me, you're probably somewhere in the middle. You know, it's sometimes when I've loved prayer, times when it's been tricky. I've struggled. But I want to encourage us today that when we are struggling in prayer and we feel like we're, it's failing, this is rather than a place of failure, a place of opportunity. And it is an invitation from God to go deeper. So when I first became a Christian and my prayer life begun, it went like this. Thank you, Jesus. Great. I love you. Uh, Please can I have some money next week? Money arrived. Walking home, I feel a bit tired. God, I just feel so tired. Can I have a lift? Oh, and a car arrived. I got in the car, and it was great. You know, and often we find when that first year, we're so excited about prayer because we see that God answers. He finds our keys. say, oh, I can't find my car keys. Next minute, there's your car keys. And it's exciting. And I think in those moments, God delights to show us that he hears everything. But we're not to stay there so much. Yes, that's a part of our prayer. That doesn't go away. When I still, to this day, get in a car park and go, Lord, give me a space. And then a space arrives and I say, thank you, Jesus. That doesn't go away. But God wants us to go deeper. And I think sometimes when we start to wrestle with prayer and we don't see that, it is an invitation to go deeper. It is a journey that we go on. God wants to broaden our understanding of prayer and our purpose in the world. Perhaps you can relate to what I've said. Perhaps there have been seasons in your own prayer life. Or perhaps you're in a tricky season right now with those same questions. Or you've been stuck with, I'm just not sure that this works. Perhaps you're confused or you've had seasons when you felt cross with God, angry. Because those are natural seasons, aren't they, of life when we haven't been able to pray or we've refused. And of course, as we looked in the first week, in our fast-paced culture, it, when we are going to think about prayer, so often we find ourselves just reaching for our phone and now I'm Instagramming. And I've lost 20 minutes. Oh, it's time to go to work. It's so easy, isn't it, to just let it go. But this morning, I just want to say that we are all learning to pray. pray. And in that learning, we do it together. When we look at Jesus and his, his example, the person we want to become like, we see someone immersed in dialogue with his father. A brief look at Jesus' life, and you'll see very quickly that prayer is part of it. Prayer must be part of our practice. It isn't an add-on. So we need to be asking this morning, are we being shaped in prayer? We're going to have our reading now. It's Mark chapter 1, so nice and easy to find. And we're going to read from verse 21. So Mark 1 
verse 21, and Jez is going to come so that it's not just my voice. So Mark chapter 1, starting at verse 21. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who were ill and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he travelled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Thanks, Jess. So in the passage, we see uh, that Jesus has authority teaching. We see that he's astounding people by what he does. And it sort of reminds me about when I became a Christian, I started reading the Bible. I started in Matthew's Gospel. And I was, I can definitely use the word, astounded I couldn't believe it. And in my head was just going, it's all true. It's all true. And I imagine the people there were watching this happening and they're getting that same thing. It's all true. It's all true. Because they've been sitting, reading the Hebrew scriptures their whole life. They've been meditating on the Messiah and what the Messiah would do when the Messiah comes. And here it is. And they're seeing it. It's all true. It's all true. It's all true. They are seeing God's king come to the world, and he is the one that is going to put everything right. 
But then Mark records, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, this is a place where people are literally banging on the door. Remember, imagine this small house, and news across the whole of Galilee is spread. And a bit like we got that picture when they break a hole in the roof, people are gathered around this probably quite small house. And they're literally at the door, desperate to see the Messiah. So very early in the morning, it says he went to a solitary place. And this is a habit of Jesus we see right from after his baptism when he's led into the wilderness. Solitary place, wilderness, same thing. He's led there, and in that place, he withdraws into that very lonely place. It's a place of wrestling with the Father's will, or his will, or potentially the culture's will. Because the culture around him is getting very excited, but... Can you see? If we flick from Mark to Luke, you don't have to, it will come up. We can see, just if we skip through a few pages, we'll see Jesus' prayer. In chapter 5, verse 15, we have a similar thing, news spread about him. And in verse 15, Yet the news about him spread all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their illness. But Jesus, as it say, often withdrew to a lonely places and prayed. So we see here again that this is not a one-off. This is something Jesus regularly does, enough for, the, for Luke to record that. In the next chapter, chapter 6, we see that he continues healing and teaching, and the writer pauses here to explain how did Jesus choose his disciples. 6.12, we'll see there, he spent the night praying to God. Whole night. These key decisional moments are surrounded by prayer. Look across now to chapter 9, if you've got your Bible. If not, it will come up. Chapter 9 and verse 18. He says, Once when Jesus was praying in private, his disciples were there with him, and he asked them, Who do the crowds say that I am? Jesus opens this foundational discussion at a prayer meeting. Interesting, isn't it? That's why as a church, when we say we're dependent upon God in prayer, when the elders meet, they'll meet one week to uh, do talk about something in depth they'll pray together but they'll have another week when they'll just pray they will pray we say just pray but they will spend they see it as important it's why we want to pray about the decisions we make here in this small group we see something else happen look down to verse 28 eight days after jesus said this he took peter john and james with him and went up to a mountain He's got a prayer triplet going on. <laughs> Probably heard some thoughts on that. But here he is. He's going to pray again, this time with a triplet. And in the context of this, astonishingly, they see who Jesus is for the first time. He is transformed before them. And at this same prayer meeting, the father speaks to them, this is my son whom I've chosen. Listen to him. And so in prayer, whether we're alone 
in a solitary place, whether we are with one or two others, whether we're gathered uh, in a group of 20, whether we're here on a Sunday morning, we're hoping that we will be transformed, that we will see who Jesus is, that we will be guided on our next step, and that we will be reminded in our minds of why we are here. Because that's what we see, isn't it? If we look at chapter 11 in Luke, we see something happen. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. There was definitely something about the way that Jesus prayed that they were interested in. You know, John's disciples had taught them. They'd probably grown up praying. They would have prayed um, in the kind of ritualistic kind of rhythm prayers of Sabbath every week. They would have prayed at the synagogue. They would have prayed um, words. They would have prayed together and alone. But here they say, teach us how to pray. And I think this is something for us. When we are wrestling with prayer, when we are struggling, when we think our prayer's maybe not working or I'm unsure, we need to be asking ourselves, teach me how to pray. Because we don't always know what to pray. We talked about how there's seasons in our life. There are seasons when we feel fearful or anxious because we don't seem to be hearing from God. He doesn't seem to be hearing us. We can be seasons where we feel uncertainty or doubt. But God in these seasons is inviting us to learn new things, to go deeper. He wants to draw us into that Trinitarian moment by the Spirit through the Son to be with the Father. There are always, like any relationship, going to be those times where we have a lot to say. And I think God is okay when we are literally, and I want to tell you this, God, and this happened, and I'm cross about this. Just like I might go with Rob, and sometimes in the evening he might, you know, end of the day he'll be like, what's wrong? (laughs) And then I'll be off. But there are other times when there are no words to express it. I remember I had a friend and I still have a friend, and there'd be moments when life was overwhelming. And so she, I would just hear these words, Oh, Louise! And do you know, <laughs> someone will know what that is. <laughs> anyway, but I think that perfectly expresses sometimes how prayer is. Like sometimes all we can say is, Oh, Jesus. Because we are so overwhelmed. When we look at the state of Israel and Palestine, who here, I mean, who here can just pop up their hand now and say, I have the answer. I have a perfect thing to pray today for that. But we can just say, I don't know what to pray, God. But Lord, have mercy on us. Back to our passage, when the disciples found him, They were saying, everyone's looking for you. This is happening. They're all coming to you. The moment is happening. It's going to be this. They're confused by him. Why is he running away when everything's going so right here? But Jesus simply says, let's go somewhere else. Let's go somewhere else. Because this 
is why I've come. And it's because he's been with his father. When we pray, we're recalibrated, whether that is ours, blah, 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 or whether that is us just saying, oh, Jesus, I don't know what to pray. It's so horrific. We are recalibrated on who we are, who God is, that Jesus loves the whole world, that he is good news. How about you? What brings you back to that prayer regularly? Richard Foster wrote, to pray is change. To pray is to change. It's to be shaped by our Father, to be reshaped into the image of God, but also to then be shaped in how we shape the world. Jesus said, has the Father sent me, I send you. And he doesn't do that without giving us the Spirit. Prayer changes the world, but it does appear that God's plan is to change the world with us. Our desires, our thoughts, our attitudes are molded in conversation with him. Sitting with his words, asking the spirit, we are reminded. And in the kingdom of God, those who reflect on the image of God care for each other and all creation. We glorify God in the way that we are, in a community that forgives, that confesses, that shows mercy, thanksgiving, gentleness, kindness, grace, patience, self-control. I've struggled with prayer quite a lot. Sometimes I've just found it simply exhausting or questioned it. But I read a good thing in my sabbatical that when we come to God, just sit and come to be loved by him. And that took an awful lot of pressure off me because sometimes I think I forget that absolute basic. I even sat this morning and I sat and I meditated on the fact that God loves me. And you can't help, once you're there, to start praising. You can't help it. You know, it says we love God because he first loved us. Sometimes we sort of forget this a bit and we think, oh, I must love you. I don't think you like me very much, but I must love you. But if we start with God loves us, we're freed. And then I move to a place of God loves the world. And we find ourselves there from that place thinking about the world. We know that his desires are good for us and good for the world. So that when we don't know what to pray, we can sit there and say, oh, Jesus, please have mercy, knowing that he loves the world. They talked about how the spirit intercedes with groans. And I think he comes alongside our groaning when we don't know what to pray he is there. Um, I think N.T. Wright talks about how in, um, in lament, in groaning, we join God in lamenting for the world. And I, I think we shouldn't underestimate those times when we just cannot pray because it's too overwhelming. That's part of our role. So what would it look like this week for you to position yourself 
to be shaped by him. We've had all these weeks of thinking about how we can position ourselves to be shaped. Perhaps prayer is something that you want to explore. Maybe you haven't prayed or are not sure how to pray. We have these great Try Praying books. They are a week of a kind of experiment. They sort of start from the position of, Hello, God, if you're there, let me know. Or if you uh, fancied a little bit, this is Mike Reeves' little book, Enjoy Your Prayer Life. This is a really nice little book to read. If, you're ex- if you want to explore different ways to pray, we've got um, Stefan Smart's Contemplative Prayer, Deeper for Charismatic Christians. I read that in my sabbatical. I found it very good. Uh, you're welcome to borrow these books. They have a little label on them to remind you who, to bring them back. We'll look at those. And of course, this one that we've been using, Sacred Rhythms, We've been using that as part of our series. Um, ooh, has a nice has a nice chapter on prayer and going deeper. Oh, and this has dropped out. Arthur Wallace, Jesus prayed. You can try that as well. <laughs> so, let's just pause for a minute and close our eyes and allow God to love you. Jesus, we thank you that we are invited into this amazing gift. That when we trust in you, Jesus, you fill us with your spirit and you lead us into the Father's presence. Forgive us for the times when we forget how awesome that is. Thank you that in the the heart of you is love, love for us, love for the world. Jesus, we want to be shaped by you. And so we commit afresh today to be committed to positioning ourselves to be transformed by you.
teach us how to pray. Amen. going to continue in worship as the band comes up as we sing how deep the father's love for us a reminder of that love as we come now to position ourselves to remind ourselves how deep the father's love how vast beyond all measure <laughs>